The Film Comment Podcast from Sundance is sponsored by Autograph Collection Hotels. The Autograph Collection Indie Film Project supports independent film and celebrates the power of storytelling to inspire and connect people and places by leaving a lasting imprint. Autograph Collection Hotels, exactly like nothing else. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast, coming to you from Park City, the Sundance Film Festival. In the hotel Park City, the Autograph Collection Hotel, our cozy perch from which to opine. I'm Nick Rapold, the Editor-in-Chief of Film Comment, and I'm joined by the irrepressible... (laughs) Eric Hines, Creator of Film at Museum of the Moving Image and Film Comment Columnist. It's Sunday night, Nick. It's Sunday night. It's Sunday night. The end of the first weekend of Sunday. It's huge. Yes, it's a big weekend. Is it, I guess it's a weekend when, from an industry standpoint, some acquisitions are sometimes announced. I guess, now. although I've been I'm completely ignorant of it. I've been ignorant too, but sources tell me that it's not particularly busy on that front. Okay. Uh, Maybe our dear listeners know a, few th- a thing or two. Listeners can write in with any news <laughs> of acquisitions. <laughs> Send us, a, send us a pager. Send us a pager. Write to P.O. Box 4065521, Grand Central Station. It's some station. 555-555-555-555, which will also order you a limo. And uh, it's, it's an interesting mix of films that we have on our platter today. Mm-hmm. I think we'll just jump in with Terrell by Sebastian Silva, because I think of all the movies this weekend, that's probably like one of the more original, one mm-hmm. of the more productively ambiguous sure. films. Sure. And uh, something with it gives you something to talk about. Absolutely. Uh, uh, which I you know can't always say I'm running into here just this year. So Terrell, uh, Eric, this is fresh in your mind. Very fresh. I just walked out of the screening less than 20 minutes ago. Uh, you saw it yesterday. I, or I saw it yesterday. Yeah. Um, and, and just seeing the intro for the, I saw a public screening and uh, Sebastian Silva is one of these filmmakers where I've actually seen most of his films. Six of his seven features have been at Sundance. Such an he's an interesting filmmaker to be like such a Sundance darling. Yeah. Um. In in a way, like maybe it's the sort of thing that kind of puts the lie to there being a certain Sundance film because you wouldn't necessarily think of any of these films as classic Sundance, and yet they're they the programmers clearly eat up what he's doing, whatever he's doing. Um. And uh, it's a U.S. dramatic competition. Previously, he's been in world dramatic competition. He's been in next competition. He's kind of made his way through the categories here. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it's U.S. is interesting because he's obviously foreign-born. But, yeah, I mean, he's been living in the U.S. for 15 years, and it's a fully American cast. So I guess why not? Um, but just in terms of his that film existing at Sundance and that filmmaker coming to Sundance, I just thought it was kind of notable. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's almost as if he doesn't get enough credit for, you know, his track record so far. I think because his films sometimes are somewhat divisive, right? Um, you know, uh, you know, something like Crystal Fairy um, or Nasty Baby. Was that a Sundance? Nasty Baby was absolutely here. Yeah, yeah. Nasty Baby, classic next title. Yeah, and and also even took a while, I think, to come out in theaters, and that also somehow deflated its its impact a little. I think he's definitely a very interesting filmmaker making these movies that look very 
casual and can seem a little lined with sarcasm in a way and a brand of it could get tagged with the hipster label as well and it doesn't help that michael Sarah is like one of his is a go-to actor a, for, for him yeah um he's in the company but there is depth there and it's and it's a particularly skillful depth too because it's done in in such uh in such a seemingly offhand way he's a f- I'm, I'm still forming my thoughts and i also have confused or contradictory feelings about him as a filmmaker he makes contraptions you know like he's his films are conceits they they are they're so every single one of them you can say oh right that's 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 the deal with this film that's your conceit and this one has one of the more obvious conceits and yet the way this one plays out which i get maybe i'll describe a little bit briefly is basically jason mitchell uh recently of mudbound um last year sundance comes back with terrell (laughs) yeah come back with terrell and What's his, sorry, the Sundance staple is who he's acting against, Christopher Abbott. Christopher Abbott. Also, you know, a return customer. Um, <laughs> and they're, they're just <clears throat> driving upstate New York, uh, uh, two friends, and the conceit is that Christopher Abbott's character is headed to a friend's a house where there's going to be a birthday celebration for another friend, and Jason Mitchell is accompanying, even though he's never, not met anyone else. And it basically becomes a house full of white dudes, um, and and he's trying to navigate uh, a, a house full of strange white men um, and how to behave and how to be himself and whether or not he is comfortable in that space. Um, and so that just sort of plays out over a couple nights. Um, and, you know, all kinds of things ensue, a lot of chaotic bro behavior. Yes, very bro-y. A lot of drinking. Or as, as, as an audience uh, question put it after, after the, my Saturday night screening said, white nonsense <laughs> she, yeah. she said thank you for portraying the white nonsense that goes down at these parties <laughs> uh, a favorite phrase of of the beloved melissa anderson okay. uh, <laughs> I, I associate it with her anyway yeah and i mean it's it's yeah it has that uh, kind of clearly bounded premise without actually feeling like at least to me that 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 oh now we're seeing it play out i didn't feel it didn't feel tricksy to me in a way mm. you know uh um, I mean, but he, but he has in the past, yes, been guilty of trickery. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so this is not actually, but it's yeah. hard not to think that that's yeah. coming. Yeah, I mean, I I think I told you and one or two other people who was going to see it that there's not a trick to it, or you know, it's because otherwise you could go into this movie. It has this very loose feel, thinking, oh, when's he gonna drop? Sure. You know, sure. when's he going to drop something, you know? No, it becomes far more of a psychological portrait and like a sort yeah. of the minutia of emotions yeah. uh, for any person in, a, in an unfamiliar environment. But then obviously there are very specific emotions and fears yeah. that come into it yeah. and, and, and anxieties that come into it for, for this particular protagonist. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's it's a party picture. I guess that's that's if you have to put it in some genre, in the sense that you're seeing a party go on too long, which is usually what a party picture kind yeah. of thing is. Yeah. Um, and through bacchanalia. that, what's that? Oh, the bacchanalia. Bacchanalia. Yeah. It's and and through you know it's just these ordinary interactions bubbling forth are, the, you know, the problem that plagues problems that plague the country. But it doesn't feel like like it's that way. It's. Part of why I, I, I feel like, yeah, the, that that all bubbles forth. But I feel like it's a pretty f- nicely, it's it's a nice performance by Jason Mitchell, yes. and it's a nicely written character. So, you know, it's not like he's, a, you know, things are happening to him. He's behaving no. badly too. So, yeah. like, that's part of what 
That's also real interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the first half, right, he's, he's trying to fit in and he's, you know, underplaying his presence and uh, looking for points of connection, hanging out with the dog, <laughs> which, you know, identify I think, with. Yeah. Any person who's gone to a party and they're just like, uh, it's like a dog. Oh, you're suddenly my best friend. Suddenly I love this dog. I need to spend time with this dog. Um, so he does that. But then eventually he gets as drunk as they do. But what's interesting to me is that the problem isn't necessarily that he becomes rowdy because everyone is really rowdy before him. It's that he's rowdy when they've gone into their like bullshit session phase you know he's he goes into his you know getting blind drunk phase when people have already done that everyone else has already and they're gone to like talking about religion or something <laughs> no. you know it's, so i mean it, it's also just funny about how parties work sure you know, sure uh, like you could have handled this the night before <laughs> exactly but, yeah he, he just yeah picked it wrong um <laughs> and oddly and I, this is going to be talked about pl- plenty i'm sure twitter already is but Three REM songs. <laughs> right. they, he must be a friend of Michael Stipe because there's just three <laughs> clearly well licensed REM songs. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That are used as emblems of, of whiteness. Of, of whiteness. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. That and games, I guess. Uh, yeah, games are, are very. Which is funny because I I just seen eighth eighth grade earlier in the morning and the thing in that movie i was just like geez they're playing a ton of games like every other time some kid comes on screen they're like you want to play this you want to do this um <laughs> and that's my like eight year old with a lisp or eighth grader with a lisp um uh yeah so i guess game playing and just lots of ludicrous stuff and uh all shot in anamorphic handheld absolutely bizarre i've never seen anything like it it's very disorienting yeah uh, anamorphic handheld exactly yeah it adds to your disorientation it also fits everyone in the frame a lot of time sure and i find it lets him avoid too many like pat or trite reaction shots because you can kind of have the person there or near to pan to um which i think also helps the film that the rhythm of it Um, it's 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 clearly all fil- all filmed in this upstate New York house. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, there's not there's not a lot of space. So the anamorphic certainly allows more information, <laughs> but yeah. it creates uh, uh, there's another oh, psychic yeah. disorientation I swear, quality. I, to I it. swear at times you feel it like bending at the Oh end. no, yeah, there's bending. Like, yeah. The furniture is bending as we're yeah. panning. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. In mother you have that kind of warped sense right. of it. I'm not I, anyway, I've talked enough about mother. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's the, we're even just hardly getting below the surface and this movie will be mobilized in all sorts of ways, um, that, you know, in some ways will make it more interesting. In some ways will actually make it less interesting because I, I, I really feel that the, like the, the genius of this movie is, is how much it gets across without like, you know, making a production of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's about projection, it's about changing your outside face and, personality you put forth i mean i was struck by just feeling that kind of mounting nervousness a bit for jason mitchell's character being around white rowdiness i guess if you you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um which is basically a what's the word apollonian energy let's say but it could turn into something else you know sure. or it could uh, i guess we're i'm going along no wait it's a dionysiac energy <laughs> to take up on your back and alien um, and but yeah you you know if this was some other kind of dumber movie you might expect you know someone to suddenly like 
get violent in a mean way. I won't give away whether or not that happens, but let's just say it's not predictable, mm-hmm. nor is it tricky. I don't want to say it's tricky either, Trixie. Right, right. Yeah, but I guess there's also the sense, if you want to talk in terms of privilege, that these guys have the privilege to be totally ridiculous like this sure. um, and without sure. any worries, of any repercussions. There's one character who's sort of reliably the least drunk um, and, and probably the one person in the room that I keep looking to to maybe be the most adult. Huh. And, and when things start going a little bit wrong and somebody apologizes... And he just, he basically makes a comment of like, it always happens this way <laughs> yeah. as if like, this is just how it goes. Right. And that is privilege, right? Like yeah. this is what we do. We all get together and we just act irresponsibly, break things and yeah. keep going. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's just the way it is. And yet that guy still comes every year or however often. Well, which, which is probably my biggest criticism of the film is there's something mm. about the arrangement of, of those men that mm. I never quite buy. Why, the, why, they're why they are friends what their connections are and yeah. th- that's okay that that's not there but yeah. there are certain figures in that in that house that i'm like what in the world would that person have to do with these other people <laughs> yeah it i see other than to make that. it kind of diverse there's a diverse yeah. array of white people no it's funny that you say that because i i did think this is kind of a variety of types but um i didn't feel like they were pushing it too much like it wasn't like oh this is this type of person this is the crazy type right. um, although there were those types somehow this movie did hit a sweet spot for me in terms of its putting across its characters and this is a movie with caleb landry jones yeah you know who can sleepwalk through a redneck character or you know or manic addict character which he's kind of like a mix of the two here but also <laughs> kind of down to earth and yeah uh, and then michael sarah who just bombs the movie <laughs> you know a quarter way in arriving in well Again. It's interesting. It's interesting to see like the audience just, just totally like clicks on and yeah. is just in a state of joy when he shows up. And, and he's he's not he's not even visible for the yeah. first ten minutes that he's in there, and the audience just completely responds to him. Yeah. As does Jason Mitchell, which is what's so interesting. Yeah. It's like he he yeah. has that effect on the on the room, as it were. Yeah. Um, but I was just going to say that in terms of identifying with Jason Mitchell, I could entirely not entirely to a far degree not on of course I could identify with his state and his situation and how much of an outsider he was but honestly I I feel like that whenever I'm in a house full of men like I do like that there's something also just about yeah. men and and that license that some right. men can feel when they're all together yeah. you know without the company of women That's true, that yeah. I find utterly terrifying and <laughs> always have so there's something about that setup that also yeah. just you know something like you know horror film set in the woods like right yeah house yeah. full of men <laughs> i'm not into it right i know like anything anything could happen in about 12 hours there may be a body to get rid of <laughs> right you know am i safe sleeping am i safe which, sleeping? which he goes through which he definitely goes through yeah and also a movie that accomplishes all this while remaining pretty open, pretty ambiguous, you know, mm-hmm. in a way that I think, again, not to knock a lot of the films at the festival that you come to feel a little starved for here because a lot of what shows uh, at Sundance, I think, is about just the kind of well-executed mm-hmm. screenplay, you know, right, the, right. The, the lab-tested, well-executed screenplay. Um, you know, even a couple of movies that we'll probably get to today that I liked, but also were very even, you know, it's 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 about executing the jump <laughs> just perfectly right and but you know that you're gonna land and you know that's what's gonna happen um so yeah yeah, yeah. hurrah uh, sebastian silva um for terrell
um, which, which to add insult to injury for, for any other filmmakers, I guess he, he like it came together in just some absurdly short amount short of time. Short time, yeah. Um, and he was casting up until like a week before. Yeah, apparently. right. I, I think even, even, yeah, even like a, a couple of days before in, in one case. Um, so yeah, but, uh, some sort of magic going on there with, with making this ensemble work and, and making this fluid um, scene pull it off. The Autograph Collection Indie Film Project celebrates the synergy between independent film and Autograph Collection hotels. This dynamic cultural program is anchored by three key programs, screenwriters in residency, free indie films streamed at hotels throughout the U.S., and a portfolio of beautiful hotels in key film festival destinations. Learn more by visiting autographhotels.com. Autograph Hotels, exactly like nothing else. Should we talk about the other film that we saw today, yes. or did you have something else? No, that's 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 good. Nothing to talk about on the weather front. Things are pretty pretty Cleared calm. Up. Cleared up. <laughs> and that getting has around, been the weather get, report. Getting around has been easier. Getting around has been gratifyingly easy. But uh, so this afternoon, bi- yes. like building off of, we talked a bit about an actor director, right? Um, and there was another one today. Yes, where we saw Blaze, Blaze, by yeah, Ethan Hawke. Yeah, and it's funny. You and I sat together, and I have you made a face, but otherwise, <laughs> I don't know your thoughts. And it'll be fun to talk about it for yeah. the first time. Oh well, that's yeah. I guess because the way we're, we were um, seated, I was looking at the screen, so you would see me and the screen, but I only saw the screen. And, and I was working hard to avoid being touched by a gentleman who was coat was draped over my lap and who was incessantly looking at his phone for the duration of the film and snoring (laughs) so he was snoring or he was looking at his phone but the continuity was that there was his coat was on my lap so so i was i was i was tilted hard toward yeah you were multitasking (laughs) yeah all i had was was a woman who was checking her phone and tossing her hair about um which is fine but it was a movie Anyway, so we went through a lot, is what we're trying to say, to watch Blaze, um, introduced by a, a, (laughs) I don't know, Ethan Hawke and his facial hair. Um, uh, It's probably for a role. I mean, he's he's, he's got the goatee and longish hair going on. Yeah, I guess it's for a role. That's what I'm going to tell people. He's an actor. Next time I haven't shaved, it's for a role. So Blaze is about a country singer. I know someone's going to kill me and say I'm getting the wrong subgenre of wrong. No, exactly uh, what he's saying. Country, country, folk, folk singer, songwriter, singer, songwriter. He's, you know, I guess falls in love, is drunk all the time, sings great songs, barely can hold together his, any kind of career. Um, true story based on a true story, based on a true story, blaze Foley. And, uh, you know, I found it a perfectly entertaining yarn. Uh, I, I couldn't, really didn't have any profound feelings resulting from it but in terms of just the you know easy um slow saunter and swing of of his life and uh uh, you know i i liked it was also a movie that's very much rooted in the songs in jokes in storytelling and tall tales um i mean the the frame device is that um towns van zandt is giving a radio interview of some sort where he's recounting part of the life. So that's part of the frame, you know, recounting, uh, recounting, um, blaze's life. 
And Josh Hamilton. Josh Hamilton and Townsend. And Josh Hamilton is like one of the most improbable, you know, country <laughs> backup singers that I don't know. Maybe it's because, again, it all comes back to eighth grade because he plays the dad in eighth grade. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, more power to Josh Hamilton for variety of roles. Um, and yeah, yeah, I mean, Alia Shawkat plays his girlfriend and wife and i have to say i guess i still really more enjoy her as a um, comedic actress Mm -hmm. and here she's supposed to play more or less a straight man to his Mm -hmm. tomfoolery um and i mean it's kind of a thankless role too you know just to to constantly be there after he's like you know falling down drunk or something Mm -hmm. Um, well what's interesting though is that that the um the real life uh ex-wife uh of the late uh blaze foley is this co- co-writer of the film wrote the film uh with ethan hawk based on her own memoir uh Sybil rosen um so yeah it's interesting it's sort of still the thankless you know uh wife mm. to the alcoholic you know troubled musician yeah but it is also one that's been imbued with um, her own first-hand experience. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think I like performance maybe a little bit more than you do. You did uh, hers or his? Hers. Oh, hers. Um, his. He's. He was kind of great, and it's yeah. his first film. Yeah, he's he an was... actual singer-songwriter himself, Ben Dickey, and this is his first foray at all. And I no, thought I thought he was great. Really and, great. And he, I mean, he makes her role improves her. You know, I guess the. Because he is charming, you know, and so, I just thought they had actual chemistry. I they, thought they had some. Yeah, real, no, they have chemistry, which is always like the, requ- the like the requirement for that. And everybody right. always is then going to talk about whether or not they have chemistry. Yeah. And then what the hell does that even mean in, in film terms? Which yeah. is the face that you're giving me, and I get it. No, but I also <laughs> felt like they did. I felt like there was because there's a, there, the, the whole first third of the film is them basically living in a treehouse and in this <laughs> this idol of of like yeah. no money and no heat, but like in crazy love together yeah. and that all played well for me. Yeah. No, it played well for me too. I, I, uh, I, 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 I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not dumping on, on her, her, uh, her, her performance. I, I just, I, 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 she's called upon to do a couple of scenes where I, I just, I yeah. don't know if she can, you know, they're, you know, get, getting angry at him when he like, uh, you know, gets into a fight at a gig. Right. Just that, that doesn't, didn't really, didn't really just, work yeah. out. But, um, let him, yeah. let him, you know, let him behave badly. Let him so behave bad? badly, yeah. But uh, Charlie Sexton as Tom Van Zant was great too. He was also amazing too. Yeah. Really amazing. Yeah, that's that's that is a very hard role to play because you're playing an actual iconic musician that anybody who knows who that is is going to be scrutinizing. How, and he physically looks exactly like him. It's strange that a kind of famous musician also like pulls off looking exactly like another famous musician, but he does. And, and they, they, everybody sings and plays on camera and, you know, I'm not surprised by that, but it also is just really nice to see that's the right way to do this. Ethan Hawke is clearly, he's the right person to make the film. You know, he's a a huge music person fan. He's, he's made other films that had, had a lot to do with music. I've seen him at three Wilco concerts myself. (laughs) Um, uh, you know, he's into this. Yeah. Um, that said, I think that may be part of some of the stuff that I got a little bit, some of the reasons I got a little impatient with the film too. It's a little excited 
about what it's doing. It's a little excited about mm-hmm. that it gets to be about what it's about, you know, right. and that it gets to sort of, oh, cool, we get to recreate these, yeah. these divey bars and it kind of looks just like, like heaven instead of kind of just a <laughs> shitty place. Right. He's really into this milieu. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's, that f- I think can lead to why it can be appealing and it is a, a, a an, an easy watch in many ways, but there's yeah. some, it, at moments it annoyed me how happy it was to be <laughs> in this. And you know, it's, it's, it's almost like the, the film itself is just, you know, gets to be at, at a party late with musicians that it digs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah, hanging out. You know, you, you get to hang out with, with, with these guys. Um, just because we have a little bit of time sure. left, um, I just want to briefly a couple other films. Sure. Um, one film is The Guilty, uh, which I, I think is probably people are liking. The Guilty. Uh, this is, it's a, you know, you could say very gimmicky Danish thriller. Uh, the, the gimmick is <laughs> it's the, it's like the idea that like the Danish part is what's gimmicky. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just like, yeah. Another gimmicky Danish thriller. I can't believe how Denmark as a nation puts up with this. Um, and, yeah, but, um, gimmicky how gimmicky in that it is about a cop who's been, I guess in Denmark, this happens. He's been, <laughs> instead of desk duty, his desk duty is to be is to be a nine one one operator. But I mean, uh-huh. I think in the U.S. that's like a separate profession. It's not really something that uh-huh. I, I don't want to. I don't know. Uh, there's a documentary right there. Um, <laughs> and so, but he has. It was for some disciplinary reason, and he gets. You know, a, he has to deal with a call a call that comes in of a parent kidnapping, and and then his past comes into it as well. And it all takes place uh, in his his this indoors in his office. So that's, that's the thing. And so it just becomes that kind of exercise and it's done well. Mm. I, I wondered if it would have mattered if I knew Danish or not, um, because then you'd really just be plugged into the whole audio experience of it. That mm. all the suspense, you know, is you're having to imagine what's who's on the other end of the line, what's going on. Um, you know, obviously someone that has a fair, uh, I don't know, a limited, but prominent history in, in cinema. Like, I don't know what, Sorry, wrong number, mm. or it's the Anna Magnani, the voice, you know, mm. all these, you know, done for different reasons, different mm-hmm. things. Uh, so the guilty is is uh, you know good, modest goals, but but good. And then another movie, Shirkers. Eric, did you see Shirkers? I saw Shirkers this morning, as as did you, right? I saw it. Yes, I did. <laughs> Shirkers is a film that wore me down, but it wound up being in a good way. Um, okay, it's a it's a film that is. Absolutely impossible to describe in a short period of time. I don't even know if we should get into this. Um, <laughs> um, I could try. All right. Shirkers. This is like the summarized Proust thing. Uh, <laughs> basically, it's a Singapore woman in her childhood. She became really interested in film and like alternative culture, you know, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, and especially movies and independent cinema. So she tried to make her own movie with her friends Mm. um, and with some, I thought, quite evidently early on, creepy older guy who helps them make this movie and then absconds with the reels. So this is all about like retracing steps, reconstructing, and we get to see clips from their absolutely adorable movie, which has echoes of Jarmish and other little 
and later things, Solon's. It's kind of a fascinating little time capsule. Yeah, and, and, and it's it's f- first-person film. Basically, the first filmmaker person, yes. is narrating the entire thing. Right, tons of voiceover, yeah. And also has, like, current interviews with collaborators. With her, her grown-up you know, friends. Revisiting people 25 years later. Yeah. It is one of these films that is actually quite wearisome because the voiceover keeps coming, the clips keep coming, the the sort of kind of tone shifts keep happening um, yeah. that I, I knew was working. You know, it's charming, it's working, it's interesting, quote-unquote, but that it, it actually took me deeper into the film huh. to kind of fall under its spell at all. And I, and I did by the end. Yeah. Um, I did by the end of the film. I was, I was entirely charmed and moved, and, you know, it opened up for me in ways. But yeah. it was, it, that, which is, is always a tough thing, I think, in first-person filmmaking, whereas if the filmmaker's voice is going to be in there, how do you deliver your voice? How do you present? How do you dramatize your own yeah. life? How much of it sounds written? How much, should, should it sound written? Should it actually sound spontaneous? Those things, that I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about those things for a while. Yeah. And then I kind of gave that up to, because there's good reasons to give up worrying about that. And as you said, the footage of that original film is so adorable. It's yeah. so, but beyond adorable, like it, just the fact that this was kind of lost film yeah. is, is tragic. It is more than adorable. It is interesting. And, and you know, a couple of shots look genuinely good, you know, from what, what, you, what you can tell. Um, it's interesting that it opened up for you. For me, this is a film that actually closed for me as it went huh. on. Huh. It became more bounded and I became disappointed by what she decided to do with what she dug up in her past. Huh. Also, it's just one of these movies that's kind of makes these little selective things about what it chooses to explain and doesn't explain mm-hmm. that just... It's hard to point them out without giving away something right. about the movie. Right. But there are things where I'm like, really? You know, like, this is just for the purpose of the film that you're creating this bit of confusion. And, yeah, this creepy but artistically inspiring older guy, yeah, they kind of end up... I feel like they just kind of end up putting him in a box, really, you know, by, by the end to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And fine, it's her prerogative to do what she, she wants sure. with it, but that and other aspects of it just... What actually... I mean, you know, that's a movie that's joyous for me as, as well because it's just so much about, like, exulting in, like, zines and movies and culture and having sure. friends that you can do sure. that with. So, uh, you know, obviously you got to love that. And also that it's in Singapore. Right. And so that I'm sure they had to work extra hard to get access to all this sure. stuff and to like this stuff when other people were, you know, totally. frowning upon them. And totally. I just love to think of Singapore how the reception there in Singapore of like Jarmish and Todd Haynes and all these things. And then I like to think, you know, all over the world, you know, how, how people were receiving not just American indie culture, but any, you know, any other Hong Kong cinema or Japanese. Yeah. So it's a movie that opens up that thing. Although I don't actually know if it explicitly does that, but that's what it, it, it did for me. I kind of, kind of like, but there's, 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 there's even an aside, all that in terms of how teens, find culture like they, yeah. they seek out culture that they need and they want yeah. that will feed what they yeah. which is always like I, I always find moving and yeah. and and relatable <laughs> this is a moment where one of our collaborators is chewing gum it's like oh right chewing the, the, the government had banned chewing gum <laughs> and so like an act of defiance is you see them constantly like mawing away at, <laughs> right at, yeah at, and masticating away at, at, right. at, at gum and you're like yeah. I don't know there's something about that that's really quite nice yeah yeah and then also like a pre-internet film in a way it's exactly, like this yeah. time capsule of a certain type of experience a certain type of friendship mm-hmm. that maybe doesn't quite play out the same way now a friend of mine always used to say like 
people aren't able to be bored anymore. There's not enough boredom anymore, which led to a lot of great things. So here's the boredom. <laughs> and speaking of which, speaking of which, our audience, our audience <laughs> who are sound asleep now. We'll Luckily, just, this comes out during the lunch hour, so hopefully we that's can keep right. Them. Yeah, you, you won't be sleeping on the job. Uh, but we'll tuck you in now and uh, say goodbye and thank you for listening and tune in next time. See everybody tomorrow. Thanks. Bye bye. The Film Comment Podcast from Sundance is sponsored by Autograph Collection Hotels. The Autograph Collection Indie Film Project supports independent film and celebrates the power of storytelling to inspire and connect people and places by leaving a lasting imprint. Autograph Collection Hotels, exactly like nothing else, 